Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. We finally have a sunny day here in Austin. It's been oddly gloomy, feeling a lot like fall, which isn't something that you tend to think of when you think of Austin, Texas, but that's how it's been. But today it's supposed to be nice and sunny, so definitely going to be taking myself to the pool later. But to dive into today's topic, I want to talk about the unsexy stuff that will really help move the needle when it comes to sticking with, you know, your goals in terms of, you know, having a diet or exercise plan or having goals around changing your body composition or just cultivating a lifestyle where you eat healthier just as your baseline. And for sure, part of actually getting results and seeing the progress you want to make is about following the right plan, doing the right kind of things. There is no one specific exercise program or way of eating that's for everyone going to get them the results that they desire. There are different paths to get there. But that being said, with all the information that gets thrown out on the internet, especially within the realms of fitness and nutrition, there is for sure a component of needing to know the right things. A lack of knowledge for sure plays into people's ability to see progress, see results, even follow through with whatever program they're trying to do, whatever plan that they're trying to follow. But the much bigger issue is people actually sticking with their goals. I mean, anyone listening to this, has there ever been a time where you've tried a specific diet or said you were going to follow this new training plan and didn't stick with it? And there's a lot that can go into the conversation around actually sticking with something. What all goes into being able to stick with something and commit to it and follow it through. But realize that it's not usually that you're not following the right training plan or that you're not following the right nutrition plan. It's that you're not actually doing the things or you're not following through with them long term. Doing something for a week or two weeks isn't going to be the results that you desire. And unfortunately, and I'm saying unfortunately because it's not as fun, but a lot of times it is the unsexy stuff, the stuff that we don't want to do that actually really helps move the needle. You know, what? which option here sounds more compelling and motivating for you? Joining a program that includes lifting weights, high-intensity circuit training, following a specific nutrition plan, or working on having more awareness of your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, and cultivating your skill of self-compassion. And I mean, but really, like (laughs) most people are going to look at those two options and be like, option A, here we go. And that's great. Yeah, lifting weights, doing some high intensity training, following a nutrition plan. That's great. And that stuff, arguably not that specific stuff, but having some kind of plan that involves getting you to the results that you desire is going to be really helpful, if not necessary. But the caveat is that you have to stick with that plan. You have to actually do the things and stick with it for a long enough length of time to see the results that you desire. And that's where people have issues. 
So again, a lot of things can go into the conversation around really behavior change and what actually helps people stick with things, especially if you have a history of not sticking with things. But one of the skills that is can be really helpful with that is self-compassion. Recently, I've been reading more about the science around self-compassion, and it's really so fascinating to me. As with most things, we do need more evidence and further study to really, really have a good idea and have a good grasp of actual causation and the mechanics behind things rather than just correlation. But right now that there is evidence that supports the idea that cultivating more self-compassion leads to healthier behaviors. One study that came out in 2021 found that people who had higher self-compassion skills simultaneously had higher diet quality, they were less likely to turn to emotional eating, and they had higher self-esteem with their body. And I partially find it interesting because if I go back and I look at me in my story, in my experiences, and I look back at, okay, when I went from being the person who was the type of person who had more so all or nothing thinking and would self-sabotage in ways, really meaning I just, I wasn't always great with following through or staying committed to the goals that I had for myself, to then making a 180 and actually being that type of person. When I reflect back on that time period where I was able to make that big switch, it was around the same time period I had actually really developed my skill of self-compassion through just all this self-help type of content I had started consuming when I had buttloads of free time and time for reflection during the pandemic when things first shut down. So I'm just an N of one, but self-compassion definitely really helped me. I had no idea that that's what it was at the time. (laughs) I was not actively working on developing my skill of self-compassion. I was definitely doing like personal development type of work, but uh, not within the frame that I was like actively working on self-compassion, understanding that it that that's what it was. So self-compassion is being able to give yourself compassion in times where you feel you are inadequate or have failed or just in general are experiencing emotions, uncomfortable emotions. But also realize that self-compassion is not something where you're just letting yourself off the hook, right? There's, I like when people talk about self-compassion or paint the picture kind of as a yin and yang. There are two aspects that go with it. So there is the aspect where you are having that more nurturing component with yourself and you're allowing yourself to be in the uncomfortable emotions and maybe not do the thing sometimes and being okay with that because of whatever your current circumstances are, but there's also the aspect where coming from self-compassion, you still push yourself to do the thing, right? Because if you're caring about yourself, you still want yourself to do what's beneficial for you. And so the science has broken down self-compassion to have three components, mindfulness, self-kindness, and common humanity. With mindfulness, this is really having more awareness of your thoughts and your feelings and your behaviors and just in general what you are experiencing. It's also acknowledging and allowing yourself to feel your feelings and really coming from a non-judgmental place. You know, if something's made you angry, you can feel that anger 
and not judge yourself for it, right? It doesn't have to have a meaning to it. I always talk about viewing things more neutrally, and this goes hand in hand with that. It doesn't have to be good or bad or right or wrong. It just is. You feel that emotion. With self-kindness, it's, well, it's being kind to yourself. So coming from a place of kindness, coming from a place of curiosity rather than judgment. But again, it's also, with you know, doing what's best for you, right? Doing what's best for you is not you giving yourself and putting yourself in the most comfortable positions all the time. It's not. It includes taking care of your needs and your body, your responsibilities. I would throw growth in there. And then there's common humanity, which is reminding yourself, because we tend to think that we are very unique in what we're experiencing, but reminding yourself that you're not the only one who's experiencing certain emotions or does certain things. You know, something that you're experiencing, someone somewhere else is experiencing the same thing or something similar, if not many people having gone through the same experience. And I'll say, I remember... I think there's a lot of examples that could probably touch on this, but I remember being an adolescent and thinking I was experiencing all these things that, I don't know, I thought I was just so unique. Unique in, I think there's a lot of of positives to being unique, but unique in that I thought I felt or experienced a lot of things within my own thoughts or emotions that were like only I experienced. And it, I definitely didn't like that. Then, then social media came around and people started posting their thoughts and their feelings and their experiences all the time. And suddenly I realized, oh, no, okay, I am not unique. We, <laughs> we're all experiencing this stuff. And so sometimes you just have to remind yourself of that. You know, remind yourself that you're human and humans we tend to human, whether we like it or not. So those are the the components of self-compassion based on how the science has defined it. And so what's really important here is how do you cultivate more self-compassion? Realize that self-compassion is a skill, right? It's going something that's going to take practice and something that you will develop, meaning effort does need to be involved. And again, it, it will probably take some practice. We're human, we are creatures of habit, but it's really in catching yourself when you're reacting to yourself how you normally would, and then being able to choose something different. So how can one start to cultivate more self-compassion? Well, looking at the three components of self-compassion, we can start there. You can start with being more mindful. Again, having more awareness of the thoughts and feelings and behaviors that you have and that you're doing and how those end up affecting each other, right? Noticing what thoughts and feelings lead to a specific behavior or how doing that thing leads you to feel certain ways. And that also includes allowing yourself to have emotions. And again, allowing the emotion to be there. It's there. Let yourself feel it. Let it pass. And don't judge yourself for it, which does take practice. Treat yourself with more kindness and curiosity rather than the judgment or criticism. Curiosity is another thing that I am always coming back to in my coaching. How can we view things more neutrally and how can we approach things with curiosity instead of labels or judgment? And with that, you can practice thinking about, okay, if 
a friend was calling me and saying, hey, I did this thing, whatever you're maybe judging yourself about or feeling poorly about yourself for having done. How would you respond to that friend? Okay, now take that and respond to yourself in the same way. And I will say again, it takes practice. And for the third component, remind yourself that you are not the only person in the world who's experiencing what you're experiencing. Human's gonna human. It is what it is. So I'll label those as my first three actions there for how you can cultivate more self-compassion for yourself. So going into number four, as you're becoming more aware and paying more attention to your thoughts, when you catch what I like to call the inner critic, but catching, you know, negative thoughts about yourself, disrupt the thought. When you notice that happen, you can say something, you know, out louder in your head, like, nope, delete, not doing that. And you can choose a more empowered thought towards yourself instead. You know, what you want to believe or how you want to treat yourself. It's okay that that wasn't your innate response. Again, this is something you're practicing. So action number five, when you notice yourself judging or being frustrated with yourself, you can allow yourself to experience and name that emotion and remind yourself that emotion is part of being human. As much as we want to try to escape the fact that emotions are part of being human, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And number six, when your brain is coming up with criticism, play devil's advocate with yourself. Look for the data. Look for facts. You know, reframe your thoughts or perspective. Challenging your thoughts, I think, is just such a fabulous skill. And once you start doing it, you'd be surprised how often you're like, oh, huh. Yeah. Nope. (laughs) That's all right. Cool. I have new insight now. And then number seven, are we on number seven, three, four, five, six? Yes. Seven. Number seven is working with a coach or therapist. I am personally just such a big believer in everyone having a mentor or therapist or coach of some kind, because having someone that you get to work with who gets to know you who you can see who model self-compassion themselves can help you see new perspectives that maybe you weren't able to come up with on your own initially, you know, can help you see your own blind spots and really help guide you in the process of changing your perspectives and behaviors is invaluable. I mean, I think that that's where the most growth comes for so many people. I can't tell you how many people I've met who have worked with a specific person and their goal was probably not around developing more self-compassion or going through this big growth period or even marking a point in their life where it's kind of a landing point before just absolutely taking off in different aspects of their life. But so many times when I hear those stories, it's someone was working with someone who did help them see new perspectives challenge their beliefs and really start to become like an upgraded version of themselves, you know, whether it be a therapist or a nutrition coach, a personal trainer, a business mentor. I have seen and heard those stories time and time again. And I I really believe that that's just as if not more valuable sometimes than whatever it is you're actually paying them for. And really, you know, how you treat yourself And how you respond to different situations and emotions and just what you're experiencing is going to lead to the behaviors that you ultimately do. 
right? It can be the difference between the behavior of sticking with something, sticking with going to the gym, or just completely letting it fall to the wayside every time you don't feel like going until eventually you just don't go anymore, right? And I think that there's a much bigger discussion to be had just around the relationship that we have with ourselves. Do we even have a relationship with ourselves? I mean, yes, but is it one that we're we're aware of? And what does that relationship look like? If we're just an asshole to ourselves all the time, it's probably not a good one. And that's not something to feel guilty or shameful about. Again, human's human. But that doesn't mean that it has to continue being that way. It can be something that you start working on and you start working on cultivating a good relationship with yourself, one filled with compassion and kindness, and eventually one where you really love yourself. You know, can you develop a relationship with yourself where you actually are paying attention to what you're experiencing, what's going on through in your head, what emotions you're experiencing? And I'll say once you start paying attention to those things and like allowing yourself to pay attention and be present with those things, they become a whole lot less scary. They're, they're more scary and uncomfortable before you do it than actually doing it. Once you do it, it really is just is. It is. This is something I'm experiencing. Oh, that was a thought. This is an emotion I'm feeling. Once you started paying more attention to those things and started to work on how you respond to those things and how you relate to yourself, you know, so much of it is getting to know yourself and then choosing how you want to treat yourself. And if we look at, again, the the yin and yang of the self-compassion, Sometimes we are treating ourselves what what is can be defined as caring for ourselves in one moment sometimes is not doing the thing that you're initially going to do because it's what's best for you in that moment. Other times what's best for you in that moment is to get up and go do the thing, whether you feel like it or not. And I'll throw in a reminder that if there's something that we don't feel like doing, Maybe we currently have a negative perspective on it or in that specific moment, but we can always change that, right? The thoughts that we have are affect the way that we feel towards something. So if we can change the perspective that we have, we can make it less negative. But regardless of that, you know, regardless if you're able to change your perspective on, we'll say going to the gym, you know that moving your body is beneficial for you. Doesn't mean that you have to go to the gym. But it's got all sorts of benefits for you, especially if you're someone who wants to be someone who goes to the gym. Not feeling like going does not have to mean you don't go. I'll let that that be a seed just planted in your mind. We'll let that, give that some time to grow. See what comes up for you. And so I know that this is not, it's not the big, fun, flashy, exciting stuff. But this is the stuff that's going to make a bigger difference in the long run. And this, this is actually more of the hard work because it's, it's not flashy or super enticing. But this is the stuff that changes how we operate on a day-to-day basis. And really, personally, for me at least, I found that doing this kind of work is a lot like running where, let's say you're setting out to do like a two-mile run. There's that initial hump that you have to get over, right? Like it's, it can be really uncomfortable or really hard to push through. But once you get over that hump, it's kind of more smooth sailing from there. And doing this kind of work can can be the same way where doing it initially 
may feel harder or may feel like you've got more resistance to it. But once you get over the hump, it's definitely easier. So that is what I wanted to teach you about this week. I hope you got something good out of this and and I hope that the skill of self-compassion is something that you want to start working on cultivating and developing for yourself because, I mean, imagine the world we could live in if all of us had more self-compassion, right? If we, if we had better relationships with ourselves, if we understood ourselves better, if we all treated ourselves with more kindness, imagine what kind of person that leads you to be and how that affects who you are and all the other aspects of your life. And especially even, you know, how you're able to show up in relationships when you understand yourself more. But going back to what I talked about at the beginning, there is strong evidence that really supports that developing more self-compassion for yourself, developing that skill can really affect your behaviors. And that includes making healthier decisions, resulting in sticking with exercise and nutrition plans that are going to help get you whatever result it is that you're aiming for. So thanks for being here. I would love to hear if you got something out of this. So please feel free to message me on Instagram at Brianna French underscore or email me through my website. And if you found value in this, send this to someone else who you think would as well. That is what I have for you today. I hope you have a fabulous day and I will see you in the next episode. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.